Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler Doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, Hour 3 of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. I'm joined by the Doctrinaires. English Nick is here. Hello. Autumn Fisher is here. Hello. The handsomest producer in all of producery, Jared Yamamoto, What's is here. What's up? And yeah, I said it, Hour 3. Get used to it, because from here on out, it's a three-hour tour. This show, noon to three, every Sunday, they've given us an extra hour, and I'm delighted about it. So we have to, uh, th- we were going to do, oh no, we do, we do have Greg, right? We do. We had a little trouble, my misanthrope buddy from New York City apparently was difficult to get in touch with, hmm. but unfortunately we did get in touch with him, <laughs> so it's time for... He's a misanthrope, he has a dark heart, and he needs a good psychiatrist. It's Greg Russ with stories from Studio B1. All right, Gregory, how are you feeling this week? I'm here. I'm sorry about the scare. I was holed up in the bathroom, as it's the only room in my apartment that actually has a door. I understand that. <laughs> he... <laughs> and you know what? This is a family show, so I appreciate the fact that you're here and really don't need to know anything more about what was going well, on Well, that was there. just me hiding in there. I wasn't I... implying anything other than I was hiding <laughs> away from the world. <laughs> I thought your little apartment was enough to hide away from the world, but you actually retreat within that apartment into a smaller room. Remember, yeah, he... I've got... I've got no blinds, so therefore the people across the way can see me. You know, Greg, I understand this, but uh, why don't you just get blinds? <laughs> yeah, it, does, are, it doesn't cost that much money for blinds. Now these windows, they're over six feet tall. They're not a standard size, so that means I have to go into like a, a store and talk to a person and yes. ask them to mm-hmm. cut the blinds mm-hmm. for me. And no. that's something you want to do. So instead, when you have your lights on at night, you're basically like an animal in a zoo. Everyone who passes by can look at you in your cage, in your habitat... Watching what a young, miserable person in New York City does on a nightly basis. Oh, there's a solution to that. Don't turn on the lights. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I like about you. You're always there with answers. So give us a story or two from Studio B1. All right. So police, they're investigating a knife found at O.J. Simpson's former home. Now, this is a a weird story. It's, It's very strange. So O.J.'s home was demolished years ago. Yeah, in the 90s, right? In the 90s. Yeah, no one... Yeah, I think 98. Mm -hmm. And no one actually knows when the knife was found. I think the details are still coming out. But there's an idea that when it was being demolished, uh, one of the guys on site found a knife buried in the yard, took it to a a cop who was in uniform but actually wasn't on duty. He was an extra on a film that was shooting. But he handed it over. (laughs) That cop kept the, the knife for years. 
Now, I just, see, this is what I don't understand, Greg, about this story. When he ha- when the knife was handed, so somebody in, is excavating, knocking down OJ's old house because somebody's bought it, and this is understandable, right? You're tired of uh, looky-loos. You're tired of tourists, right? So you just knock the house down so that there's nothing there to look at. I can understand that. During that demolition, uh, a guy that's, on, that's working on that finds a knife, supposedly. Now, he goes over to the cop. Does he tell the cop, hey, this is OJ's property, this is a knife. This might be something you want. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't the cop immediately take that back to headquarters and say, "I don't know if this is anything, but you should probably check it out." That, but, that's what doesn't make sense. I then here's the, here's the only reason they know about it because he called his friend, who uh, is I think a detective, and asked him for the case number of the O.J. Simpson case so he could have it engraved on that knife because he was going to frame it and hang it up in his house. Wow. Again, this guy was a cop. Yes. I, 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 there's, there's something very bizarre about this. So he wanted it as a memento of the case, and it never occurred to him that this there's a possibility. Prob- this is more about the cops in L.A. at that time. In the, in the late 90s? Right. That, that he's like, <laughs> oh, cool, a knife. I'm going to keep this. Well, there is a lot of that. You know, <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot of that out there in the sense that uh, – you know, cops make extra money by being bodyguards for celebrities and things like this. And they do tend to sort of look the other way and then also be part of that sort of parasite culture of, oh, mm-hmm. I know this celebrity or I did this. So maybe that mindset is going on. Like, I've got a piece of OJ history. Forget the fact that I'm a cop and I'm probably obligated to sort of turn it over and, and see this if this is obviously evidence. Well, it could be. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe somebody buried it there. It's, well, a, it's like a buck knife, right? It's a. Uh, Yes, it's a, it's a yeah, buck knife, a folding knife. At yeah. this point, though, there's no double jeopardy. So even if they do, the case is still open because yeah. OJ was found yeah. not guilty. OJ, so by the way, when he was found no, not guilty, he said that he was never going to rest until he found the true killers. <laughs> and apparently, the case is still open because OJ's in jail, so he can't even look for the real killers. Yeah, and all, all he would have injured. to do is purchase a mirror if he really wanted to find one. So. It's not that difficult. So, He's in jail for kidnapping, right, or something? He's yeah? in jail yeah. because he decided to do his own sting operation in <laughs> Vegas with guns to uh, for somebody who had memorabilia, sports Ugh. memorabilia that he That's felt right. that he shouldn't have. And so this still you know, the weird. The, OJ, some people just can't stay out of jail, right? OJ gets away with murder, and I got to figure if I'm OJ Simpson and I went through that whole ordeal and it came down not guilty, I would think. Wow, man, I'm just going to lay low for the rest of my life. I just got away with murder. I'm going to lay low for the rest of my life. I need an island. That's that's the thing that we've said before is that the brain, the human brain can acclimate to anything. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe the first couple of years, you're like, all right, I'm going to lay low. Just just normal citizen OJ, that's me. But then eventually, like, all right, let's get into some trouble. Yeah. Don't you think that you mix it up? Maybe feel untouchable at that point. Like, I got away with that. It's so obvious that I was the one who did it. Yeah, still, one of the. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, some people are saying because of the type of knife that it is. Uh, I, there's a great book on this written by uh, Mark Furman called uh, "Murder in Brentwood." I think the thing about Mark Furman, you can think about him what you want. I, I, I think that that evidence never should have came in. I think he was trying to write a book and he was being hyperbolic, but he said the N word and it basically sunk the case and it took him out of the case. And the fact is, he was the best detective cop slash whatever that was on on the case that night. He took the most copious notes and he had the best evidence. So for Cochran to find a way to get his evidence basically thrown out of the case was was a brilliant move. But he wrote a book in which he said, look, everybody's 
he lays out the crime, his his idea of exactly what happened that night. And uh, in his book, he points out that everybody thinks that because the the uh, wounds were so deep that the knife itself had to be a very long blade. But he showed that with the bruising and stuff, that actually you could have had a smaller blade, and OJ was actually punching in. So he was actually pushing a smaller blade way deeper than it would normally go. Now, in, in Furman's thing... OJ was on the board of Swiss Army Knives or something like that, so he had a lot of free Swiss Army Knives. And so in his book, he was showing how those wounds, with by punching, could be done with a Swiss Army Knife with a blade that small. So with a buck knife, I think that the same kind of theory could hold. But then again, it could be something that was buried there, you know, before that house was built. Who knows? It's just odd that it comes up during this miniseries that's going on where people are suddenly talking about OJ again. That's kind of weird. And that the cop didn't think I might need to take this to somebody. Like, even if you, even if you have a piece of memorabilia, you would want them to sanction it as actual evidence, right? Maybe the cop just didn't think that it was evidence. Just anything from the OJ estate would be something. I have no idea. I, I guess. I mean, the knife is rusted. It's been buried. Um, so, you know, they, there weren't obvious signs of blood on it or anything like that, but still. It yes, could be there. That, I mean, it, it, just, it, but one thing that oh, it no, does. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not there. Right. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to think what this cop was thinking, not turning <laughs> the knife over. You know, he's one of those cops that if you, outside of this, if you met him, you, he would, he would brag to you about all the celebrities that he's met and all the different movie sets that he's done stuff on and probably sort of parasitical thinker in that way. What, Nick. what network is this miniseries on? It is on. <laughs> FX, I believe. Maybe FX has spent some money to make this story happen. <laughs> hey, you pretend you got this knife from OJ's property, and yeah. this is going to create. But people buzz are already watching the series. Yeah, right? I, I guess. think people are already watching watching the series. But uh, but here's the thing, though: if they did test that knife, and if they did find uh, the blood of Nicole and the blood of Goldman and the blood of OJ, because he cut himself in the midst of all of this, all on the same knife. It really would obviously be a bombshell, and it would get rid of the concept of the cops setting him up because what they went they went over and they buried the knife in his. Back. I mean, that would be they very. They were in for the long game. And also, it, it, it dist- they did it way back in the '90s. Like somebody will find this one day. Yeah, like if they it. if they were going to plant the knife, they would plant it and then they would dig it up the next day and say we found right. it. So that whole idea of the cops planting stuff was absolutely absurd because in real time, the cops who showed up that night did not know that O.J. Simpson was out of town. They were looking for O.J. They didn't know that he had gotten on a plane and he was in Chicago. So they had no... They well, For this to happen, at like 11 o'clock at night, they would have to get a call, find out that O.J. That, that, uh, Simpson's ex-wife was dead and a friend was dead, and then concoct the whole thing and do it all in like two and a half hours planting evidence because they had no idea that they weren't just going to go over to O.J.'s house, knock on the door, and O.J. would be there. They didn't have the knowledge that he was on a plane to Chicago. Part of the problem with the knife, if they did find something on it, the chain of custody, at this point, it's gone. Well, it doesn't matter. Like you said, there's no double jeopardy. So he can't be tried for it again criminally. He was uh, found guilty of a civil lawsuit. Exonerating the the police planting evidence, that could still exist because, yeah, this thing, it's been so many years. A cop held on to it for this many years. Well, some things aren't worth answering. So if there are people who still believe that the L.A. cops planted evidence, they are so ignorant and so stupid that there's really no reason to even make an argument to them (laughs) about anything because it didn't go down that way but hey you know what somehow oj is in jail basically for the rest of his life so there is i guess some sort of the karmic wheel spins your way from time to time 
We'll try to squeeze in another story or two from Studio B1 when we return. Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. That's Jared. That's English Nick. That's Autumn Fisher and my misanthrope buddy from New York City. Another story from Studio B1, please, Gregory. Uh, Louis C.K. He's yes. begging fans not to vote for Donald Trump. So he releases a, a newsletter every week to promote his show, Horace and Pete, which is something he's done on his own, and he's posting on his site. That's just a side thing. So he's promoting it himself. And within that, though, he just kind of goes on these stream of consciousness um, rambling expeditions. So not, you know, seem rambling. I think he puts some thought into it. But this one, he's just saying, please don't vote for Trump. The guy is Hitler. Hitler was just some hilarious and refreshing dude with a weird come-over who would say anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me tell you something. I really, really, really like Louis C.K. I think he's an amazing talent. And I would imagine there's some, by using the Hitler thing, he has to know. There's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek there because, look, he can be against Trump. I personally am not going to vote for Donald Trump, and if he ends up being the Republican nominee, I'll just do a protest vote for the Libertarian candidate. Gary Johnson? Gary Johnson. See, now I know who he is. I don't even care. <laughs> it's going to be a protest vote. My feeling on Trump is, look, uh, I have an open mind. If he wins the presidency and he's a great president, I'll vote for him in four years. But I'm not willing to take the leap of faith. I mean, the guy, this is the thing for me that matters more than, I, let's just say this. I do not believe Trump is a sexist or a misogynist or a racist or harbors any kind of liking for the KKK. I think all of that stuff is just Ridiculous. It's just his disposition and something that Marco Rubio brought up in the debates that he doesn't have the intellectual curiosity, even though he's been running for president and doing well, to bring himself up to speed on anything. He doesn't care. And the fact is that the most important thing is that during a debate, two or three debates ago, Donald Trump didn't know what the nuclear triad was. And as I said on my podcast, it doesn't bother me that I know that Autumn Fisher doesn't know what the nuclear triad is. But it does bother me <laughs> that somebody who is running for president... I got news for you. The nuclear triad is not a complicated idea. It's simply... Wait, let me try and guess. Go, go ahead. It's people with nukes. No. It's, it's like important countries with nukes. You see, I don't mind this ignorance coming from Autumn Fisher <laughs> broadcasting out of a closet in Laurel, Maryland. I don't mind it. But for the President of the United States, or the person who wants to be the President of the United States, the frontrunner of the Republican Party for the President of the United States, when they don't know that the nuclear triad is simply the three different ways that we can deliver nuclear weapons, land, sea, and air. So close. So, you know, so the fact is, this guy does not, did not know what that was when it came up in a debate. That is the reason that he's not going to get my vote. But like I say, I'll be open-minded. If he's a good president, I'll vote for him in four years. I'm not going to take well, that leap he's above average down there, too, so we know that. Well, we know that. That's very important. <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm saying about his disposition, you know? I mean, out of all that stuff that Marco Rubio was doing, in his head, in his mind, he's like, when I get to that debate... People have to know that that's not true. I may have little hands, but America has to. Like, that's the kind of thing that sticks with the dude. And that's why I'm against him. Louis C.K., let me just say this. If you're not joking about it, over six million people died because Hitler was born. Hitler is a unique individual and spectacularly evil. So stop using Hitler just because you don't like Donald Trump. All right, when we return, we're going to do a little segment that we call The Leftovers. These are stories from all the other segments that we didn't get to in one big smush when we return. 
News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. Today's Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Look for a report on how the political frontrunners managed to capture so many Georgia voters. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. <clears throat> Welcome back. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. This is the aforementioned Von Hessler Doctrine. I am surrounded by my doctrinaires. English Nick is here. Hello. Autumn Fisher is here. Hello. The handsomest producer and all producery, Jared Yamamoto, is on? here. And this is our first third hour because from now on if you haven't heard the news and i don't know how i don't know if you're living under a rock (laughs) if you haven't heard the news that the von hessler doctrine on sundays now starts at noon and goes to three it's a three hour tour constantly from here on out so now this last segment what we've decided to do, I call it the leftovers. Not like that show. What's that show's about? Like the Rapture or something? Isn't it the leftovers? It's about a, a two seconds when uh, a percentage of the population just disappears for that's no right. reason. That's yeah. okay. That's not what this is. Yeah, I call this the leftovers. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Rapture. Uh, because we don't know that maybe we're all just sinners and we haven't disappeared yet. It's possible that I'm only going to do stories with people who aren't going to heaven. That's why it's okay, called the I've leftovers. Disappeared. Well, apparently I've disappeared because I wasn't introduced. Oh, I'm sorry. Whoa. Whoa. I'm sorry. My misanthrope buddy from New York City, Greg Russ, is still with us. And the reason is because the leftovers, we all, these guys always bring in five, six stories for each one of their segments, like headlines or WTF, Georgia stuff from Studio B1. And we only get to a few of the stories. So I figured by the end of the show, we do the leftovers. And that's some of the stories from the earlier segments we didn't get to. Let's start with Jared. All right. So a part of my childhood just ended. The Denver Broncos have announced that quarterback Peyton Manning is set to retire tomorrow morning. So he's going to retire, retire, retire. He's, he's done. Not, he's not going to, you know, I heard some talk about him going to the Rams maybe because they're going to Los Angeles and you could put more butts in the seats with a Peyton Manning than with a Case Keenum. I sure hope he doesn't do that. Uh, no, it's. I think that's what Namath did. He went there and was terrible for a little while at the at, when his career with the Jets were, were over. Uh, so Peyton Manning, you know what? Peyton Manning should retire if you saw the way that he played through most of the year. He doesn't have it anymore, and he kind of the defense for the Broncos dragged him into uh, a Super Bowl win, and so he went out going out the the right way. But I think it's hard for guys like that, and I, he obviously molded over. But the straw that had to break the camel's back on that is these old stories from the '90s about what happened at Tennessee. You know, this this is another guy that's got this sterling reputation, Peyton Manning. Gentlemen, and this is a family show, so I can't really go into the allegations of what went on between I him think, and the female. Was it the female athletic director? He y- yes, he it put, was. I think it, he put. Uh, no, I am not trusting you with this, Greg. Let me just say, no, 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 no. no. I wasn't going to say anything about that. I, I, I was going to say I saw a headline. It's an Onion headline that was pretty funny, though. Peyton Manning finally recalls when not winning Super Bowl was most damaging part of legacy. <laughs> <laughs> so he put a part of his body uh, right up there in the face of some female, uh, in, I think she was an athletic director, or maybe she was a... Or she just a trainer? S- trainer, maybe sports medicine, that kind of thing. And it was really, really kind of outrageous jock behavior that you don't associate with Peyton Manning, and I'm sure he's embarrassed about it now as a grown adult that he is, but I would think that given the fact that the questions at the press conference for I'm not going to retire... We're going to go a long way into the Tennessee thing. I think that was uh, one more reason, besides the 
poor play. Well, and the HGH finish. stuff too that yeah, came out. HGH. Of, oh yeah, yeah. And now, and just as people were going, no, he would never do that. Then that story from Tennessee comes out in the '90s. You go, all right, wait a minute. The halo is fading. Once the halo starts to fade, then anything is possible. Next. I think Doctor Hook wrote a song about that incident, didn't they? If I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? That's exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> he held it against her, and she did yeah. not. Uh, mm. She did not want that to happen. She didn't think her. it was beautiful. No, she didn't. And if you were up that close to that part of the body, you wouldn't either. So it's understood. It was not a. I'm trying to do this in a family way, but so Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, he was one of the greatest, but he happened to live in the period of time with the greatest. And send your cards and letters to Eric Von Hessler, <laughs> care of WSB Radio. But the greatest of all time is Tom Brady, and he's still playing. And I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. I'm not a fan. He beats up my teams all the time. But I know what I know. I've been watching football a long time. And the greatest quarterback of all time is still playing, and his name is Tom Brady. But Peyton, good job. And I hope I don't find anything more about your collegiate career. All right, English Nick, what was the story that you didn't get uh, The outrageous comedian Cat Williams. You know when somebody's in trouble because their picture on their Wikipedia page, their profile picture, is a mugshot okay, yeah. <laughs> from 2011. So Cat Williams uh, is a comedian. He's a comedian and a very successful comedian, and he's been in trouble with the law lately. And the latest one was uh, some people in Georgia approached him to take some photographs. It yeah. ended up with him pulling a gun on them and stealing their phones. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> His bodyguard claims that these uh, the people who wanted pictures and autographs were getting too too hostile. And he claims he just happened to pull his gun out and set it on the rail just to let them know it was there. Sure I'm sure you've it was got... just that calm. That's it was, I'm sure it was just that calculated. I don't trust this bodyguard because Cat was the one who punched the woman in the face, not the bodyguard. You yeah. think it would be the other way around. Well, this guy, yes. Cat Williams, who is, you know, just was very... I don't know if he still is this popular, but I mean, this dude was selling out mm -hmm. really, really big venues. And without being a big-time superstar or anything like that, uh, he was he was really I don't know if he still does that, but when you look on his Wikipedia page, <laughs> the legal issues section like is it, as long as my arm. Does it say how tall he is on that Wikipedia? Because I have a feeling he's like four eleven. Uh, I don't know that the, the height is on here, but uh, he's a, he's diminutive. Let's put it he's that a way. Tiny guy. Uh, he's very he's funny. happy in that. He's happy in that mugshot. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah. You look at his legal issues, like in 2006, he was arrested at uh, Los Angeles Airport. Stolen gun found in his briefcase. Why? Why, why a stolen gun? Who knows? Why not your own? In November 2010, arrested by police while working on a film in Coweta County, Georgia, accused of stealing $3,500 worth of coins and jewelry. Coins? Coins and jewelry. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, this is just the beginning. In June of 2011, he was arrested in connection of an alleged assault on a tractor driver. I don't need to go any further than that. Who does that? He's uh, like at one of those trust, truck stop, like a restaurant, gas station things, just getting in fights. No, I think it was a tractor pool, and he was like competing against the guy. Yeah, uh, you've got. It's a, since time's limited, Eric. You've still got nine to go. Nine. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It was okay. One was uh, hit his former assistant with a closed fist in 2012. Uh, 
arrested in Oakland, charges of suspicion of assault with a deadly I feel weapon. Like hitting someone with a closed fist is like hitting. Okay, a man hitting another man with a closed fist is more respectable than with an open hand. No, right? I agree, but is that a slap? I think he has a yeah. he has a habit of hitting women. How about how about December seventh, two thousand twelve? Drove a three wheeled motorcycle on a sidewalk and wouldn't stop for the police. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, this is what happens when I you. I told live, you he's funny. This it's is what so happens when you live. When you live in the South Metro area right here, there is nothing to do down there. So it's making people, you know, resort to crime right here. That's why that's why Cat Williams, you know, the fame got to his head. He's from the Noonan, Fayetteville, Peachtree yeah. City area. What do you do down there? What, what, what do you do? Is that where he's living? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's where he's from. Well, look. This, that's he's from, but is he living there? Yeah, he's living there now. Uh, Looking at this, yes. December December 2012, not a good month for him. Three arrests. Yes. <laughs> Can't get out of his own way. Now, here's another weird thing, okay? He is the father of eight children. Seven of them adopted. One, bi- one biological what? from a former marriage. Now, and this, let me tell you how weird this guy. Some this guy just has a cloud of weirdness around him. And with a rap sheet that long, it's very difficult to deal. Okay, allegedly, 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 he's in trouble again. But this is how weird his life is. In 2008, he moved moved with his children to South Dakota and set up temporary residence. Later, tried to purchase the the home as a permanent residence. Now, listen, while this is going on, so I just told you that he has eight children, seven of them adopted, one from a former marriage. In the midst of all of this, while he's in South Dakota, a former nanny won custody of one of his children, an eight-year-old girl, after Williams failed to make a court appearance. Five, okay, no, this is not over. His weirdness is not over. Yeah, a, a is nanny, he a performance artist? A is nanny, that what's really going on? A nanny won... <laughs> <laughs> custody of one of his children. The following month, he filed a claim that the nanny was a shameless fraud and won back custody of the child. This poor kid. Of oh, that poor kid. I mean, I, so I, I, this guy, Cat oh Williams, I hope he gets help. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to tell you what I think is going on here because I don't want to be sued. So let me just say this. This dude is talented, and I hope he finds an institution where he has to stay for quite some time, and they get the balance back the way that it's supposed to be. Get the so help that he needs. Gets the help right? that he needs, but I'm not going to tell you what that help is because I'm not going to be sued or have to face his bodyguard's gun on a rail next to me to set me straight. So do we have time Autumn, for... Yes. Autumn, Autumn, he's 5'5". Five five. Just answer your question. Ah, right. I bet you thought he was shorter. I really did. I think because he's also very... Like his head and his body, I think it's very slim. Speaking he's of, like an angelfish. Yeah. Spe- <laughs> he's been called that. Yeah, it's his prison name, I believe. So, Autumn, since you're speaking now, we're doing That's the leftovers. Me. What story did you leave on the table? Uh, Terry Crews. He's that guy. He's like the sergeant from Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he, I think he was in those original Old Spice commercials. He also was Chris Rock's dad on Everybody Hates Chris. Oh yeah, very funny, well, and he was also a professional football player. I knew that because I know everything about sports. Why is he in the news? <laughs> uh, he says that he uh, has a porn addiction, or he had a porn addiction that nearly yeah. ruined his life, he says. <laughs> uh, he says, it really, really messed up my life in a lot of ways. It I was love, a secret, and nobody knew about it. I love people who claim that they used to have a porn addiction. <laughs> well, he and his wife are trying to yeah. reconcile or like okay. make their marriage better and all these things. Let but, me tell you what happened here, by yeah. the way. Uh, uh-huh. uh, wife walked in. He got busted. Saw what was going on. <laughs> and really, so he decided, well, the only way to get out of this is I'll make a crusade of it. 
and we'll all get on board and say that I'm addicted to this stuff and it's an addiction. And so this thing, he's got like a website or something, some sort of series on porn addiction. Yeah, I guess so. And then yeah. what I thought was funny about at least this article was that there was a clinical psychologist that noted it's fascinating this many people are using pornography for fun. Yeah, it is fascinating. What? Shocking, you guys. What? In a thousand years, anthropologists <laughs> will look at us when we're all dead and gone and they'll say, yeah, that's 80% of what they were doing online <laughs> at all times. All right, Greg Russ has got a story for us when we return. Darn, I was just going to finish telling that really, really, really X-rated story. Interrupted by the show here. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. That's Jared. That's English Nick. Greg is here. Autumn is here. We're doing something called Leftovers in our third hour of our first three-hour show here at the Von Hessler Doctrine. So these are stories that we didn't get to earlier. Greg, tell us a story that you were not able to get to. Hello, Greg. Come in from New York City. Uh Uh-oh. Gregory Ross. Hello, hello, hello. uh, Thank you. Now, just get to the story, please. Okay, I, was, I wanted to say quickly that having you learned from past experiences not to tell X-rated stories off the air or when you think you're off the air. I knew, yes, I, believe me, I, I understand that. I'm going to stop doing that. I was pretty sure the mic was off. Go ahead. All right, here, here we go. Uh, we'll, we'll stick on the topic of porn. Uh, Pornhub, they, they've, they're in research now, and the most frequently searched term on Pornhub in the United States is lesbian. Mm. Oh, it's so simple. It's kind of wholesome. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> I know you do expect it to be something worse than that. Yeah. And well, I, well, I, second, second is stepsister, and then cartoon yeah. is third. Okay, now here's oh, okay, th- it got worse. No, but so I didn't. I, I was afraid to bring that up on the air because I didn't know what it was. And I thought it'd be something horrific, but that's like the Brady Bunch thing, right? So stepsisters, we're not yes. related. Uh, I understand lesbian because you have everybody. <laughs> Everybody likes lesbians. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter which way you swing. <laughs> They're the most popular people in the world. So, uh, so okay. That's just, that's uh, from from porn. I'm glad that I'm glad that Pornhub is giving us their data. I think that's important that we all know. And there's a, like a heat map that they have on this that shows you where in what states. And Georgia, I'm looking at that map. It's Ebony. Oh, the new oh, south! Yes, Hello, the new south. All right, so the uh, what we get from that is that everyone loves lesbians. What's the matter with you, Nick? You feel you make me feel as if I've said nothing, something wrong. Nothing at all. Who nothing. doesn't love lesbians? <laughs> Women love lesbians. Men love let. Everyone loves lesbians. So let's all get together. Especially dogs. I don't know what that means. And so I'm going to say thank you to Autumn Fisher. Lesbians love dogs. I'm not saying anything bad. (laughs) Jared Yamamoto. Thanks. Mark Dowden. And two buddies in the studio, Paul and Tyler. Thank you for coming in. I'm Eric Vaughn. Oh, Greg Russ. (laughs) Greg Russ (laughs) from Studio B1. He was wonderful as well. Uh... Eric Von Line, if you want some more of my stuff, there's some stuff that's kind of R-rated over there, but if you go to ericvonline.com, it's kind of a hub, not a porn hub. It's the Eric Hub. (laughs) Although we love lesbians just like everybody else does. That was this episode of the Von Hessler Doctrine. We'll chat with you again next Sunday at noon for the next episode of the Von Hessler Doctrine, but until then, I simply must insist that each and every one of you get off my lawn. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 